What do you think would happen if everyone on the planet truly understood that everything is an exchange of energy? My name is Dawn Culp. I'm a certified hypnotherapist, Reiki master teacher, meditation coach, and owner of the Zed Room in Gilroy, California. You can also find us online at www.thezenroom.net. And today we're going to talk about energy exchange. Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Zen Room. So today we're going to be having a very juicy conversation around energy exchange. Um, we do it all the time. Most of us are totally unaware that it's happening. Um, whenever we're having a conversation with someone, loving someone, chatting with someone, in someone's presence, there's an energy exchange taking place. And like I said, most of the time it is very, very out of our out of our line of awareness it just sort of happens we kind of go on autopilot through our life and um, it's not until we actually stop and think about it or put our attention or awareness on it that we start to realize okay if everything is an exchange of energy what role am I playing but before we dive into that I just want to get some very very basics down about energy so that we can all get on the same page Okay, so Einstein said that there's, in the universe, energy cannot be created and energy cannot be destroyed. And so basically it's like, okay, so what does that mean? The one thing for us to know or to be aware of, and I'm going to try to keep this super, super simple and not go down a rabbit hole here. We are, pl- we are people that live on a planet and that planet lives in a galaxy and that galaxy is part of the universe okay so it's sort of like the universe is a big 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 infinite form some scientists will say it has an edge some scientists will say no there is no edge it's just infinite and then there are smaller parts you know you can look down smaller parts okay the galaxy is a smaller part of the universe a planet is a smaller part of the galaxy and then on that planet we have ecosystems and within those ecosystems we have people and within you know so you can even think of your own personal life you are an individual who is part of a family that family is part of a community that community is part of a network right so you can see how um you can you can look and watch things get bigger and you can also look and watch things get smaller but Einstein finally settled on, um, on this theory in 1931 that the universe is expanding. For a long time, he thought that the universe was static, meaning not changing in size. But in 1931, he finally adopted the model of an expanding universe, meaning it grows. So lots of scientists are trying to figure out, okay, well, if... if a universe is constantly expanding, then doesn't that mean, doesn't that stand to reason that energy needs to be created within that ecosystem for it to expand? And there's scientists that explain why that is the case and then other scientists explain why that isn't the case. And I'm going to leave that to the scientists. But essentially, the idea that Einstein was proposing was... If the universe is a closed system, which means no energy is created or destroyed within that system, that great big system known as the universe, but people are open systems within that universe, 
Okay, so the universe is closed, according to Einstein, and people are open systems that we, that there is a creation and an emergence, right? When we're born, we're created, and when we die, we go away. And then some people think that we come back again, and then some people say that we go back to source or God. But essentially, if you can look at it, I don't want to have a religious conversation here. This is all just about energy that we're talking about. So I know if I put an apple in my body, I'm going to use the energy of that apple to fuel me to have a very you know, productive morning because I'm fueled by the energy of the apple, by the nutrition of the apple. And then when I'm done with it, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to become waste, right? It's, I'm not going to need it anymore. And I'm going to excrete the stuff that is the waste at the end that I can no longer use. But in the meantime, that apple has, that apple and I have had an exchange. I am, I am using the energy from the apple to fuel my own body into action okay so if we are to think about human beings on this planet we are all energy beings some days we feel full of energy if we have put good things in our body and good thoughts into our mind and good habits into our day we're going to have a higher energy day than if we were to put not so great things into our body not so great things into our mind and not so great behavior into our day. There are things that we do that will make us feel like we've just got, God, I feel like I feel great. I've got all this energy. I feel wonderful. And other things where we're like, oh my God, I feel like something just sucked the life out of me and I just need to lay here on the couch and have a totally couch potato day. That is an energy exchange and those are decisions that we are making all the time. Okay. If you look at a plant, right? A plant is through photosynthesis, allows them to generate energy from the sunlight. That is an exchange of energy. Um, the process of energy generation is complex in humans though, right? At any given moment, scientists will say at any given moment, roughly 20 watts of energy course through our body, which is enough to power a light bulb. And this energy is acquired a number of ways. Okay, but at the end of the day, the thing to think about is that as open systems, human beings, open systems in a big, big universe, there's, there's different ways of getting our energy. Now I'm not talking about matter. I'm not talking about eating an apple. I'm actually talking about if I, if I were to say the term energy vampire, Everybody here listening would know exactly what I'm referring to, okay? There are people that we hang out with that when we leave, we actually feel great. There are people that when we hang out with, when we leave, we actually feel exhausted. So when I'm talking about energy exchange, I am actually talking about the stuff that you can't see. It's not an apple that you hold in your hand and you ingest. It's actually things going on behind the scenes that you can feel but not necessarily see, okay? Some people actually claim that they can see energy, and I'm not here to say that that's possible or not possible. Some people, hey. Um, but we can all feel it. That much we can agree on. We can all feel it. So if we are looking at, okay, somebody who meditates, somebody who learns to tap into um what some people call it source, some people call it their true power inside. 
some people call it uh, creating from a bigger place, right? When you learn how to meditate, some people will actually take like psilocybin or do, um, you know, uh, psychedelic trips and they will tap into something far, far, far reaching um, through hallucinogenics, okay? What I'm talking about, because I'm not an expert on hallucinogenics, what I am talking about is I know the feeling that I get when I meditate. I tap into something much bigger than me. And after a beautiful 30-minute meditation, not only do I get clarity and insight, I also get a renewed and restored sense of just feeling very energetic. Not a wiry, artificial, caffeine kind of energy. This is just like, man, I just feel really, really, really good. And there are other times in my life where I have felt that I have borrowed energy from someone else. So let's get into this whole notion of borrowing energy. And some people would actually say stealing energy. And some people would say you're sucking the life out of me, right? (laughs) These are all terminologies for the same kind of thing. But if you can think of yourself first before we start getting into different attributes of exchanging energy as energy beings... We're an open system, which means we have the ability to transition energy, to exchange energy with other things and other people. And we oftentimes, because most of us don't understand how to tap into universal energy, I would almost think of it as there's energy that people have, little light bulbs running around the planet all over the place, little 20 BTU watt light bulbs just running around all over the place. And there is this source energy, if you will, um, universal energy. Tesla determined that it was this universal energy that if we could learn how to tap into it, that we could have free energy for everybody. In fact, if you study Tesla, you notice that he did just that, um, that he learned how to tap in to the big universal pot of soup, if you will, learn how to tap into that and draw energy from that. It's sort of like um, drawing energy from the ultimate power grid, if you will. But most of us, first of all, don't even know that we're energy beings or we maybe kind of know it, but don't give it much thought because we've got too much other stuff to worry about and agendas to keep and things to do and bills to pay. But if we actually stop and take a minute to think about it, okay, I'm an energy being and... There are sources of energy that I can exchange energy with. Other people are a prime example. But then there's this bigger thing, universal life, universal energy, source energy, that when we learn to tap into that, that we can actually create our own energy or draw energy from the source. Okay? But most people aren't aware that that is a thing. And therefore, they get caught in the circle of power struggle. Energy exchange through power, tr- uh, power struggle. So there's this really excellent book, if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it, called The Celestine Prophecy. It is a book by James Redfield. <clears throat> and it basically goes into this whole concept that not only we are, you know, we are made of energy in different density levels. We burn energy every day. 
And most of us don't know how to refill our energy in a healthy and natural manner, right? So like I said, if you learn to meditate, if you learn to um, tap into the source, if you learn to do things um, loving, appreciating, gratitude, those are all great ways of, of tapping into source energy. Most people, without even realizing it, most human beings are entangled in an ongoing struggle. And it most of the times happens at a very subconscious level. We are entangled in a system of struggle because we're trying to steal it from other people. And like I said, most of us don't even know that we're doing it. So if we can, this book, Celestine Prophecy, basically says, if we can realize that we are energy beings and that most of us on a subconscious level are in the conflict that we are in or in the drama that we are in or experiencing situations and behaviors that are maybe not exactly our favorite is because we haven't learned to tap into source to refill our tanks so therefore, we're trying to get it from others. So I'm going to use a super, super simple analogy here that is not fair um, to the vastness of this. But sometimes, sometimes when things get too big, it's hard for people to wrap their head around. So if the universe is the same as a gas pipeline where all of the gas, the natural gas in the world lives or all of the... Um, petroleum in the world lives, we can do one of two things. We can either fill up our gas tank in our own car from the gas line, from the source where all of the gas lives, or we can take a hose and siphon it from our neighbor's car to fill up our tank. One of it is getting from the source. One of, one of those exercises is actually getting the energy from the source, and the other one is actually stealing it from our neighbor. Okay, so again, I know that's a super crude analogy because it just is, but at least hopefully it will give you an idea of what I mean by tapping into source to get your refill versus stealing it from someone else to get your refill. Okay, so in this book, The Celestine Prophecy, James Redfield describes several different types of, of behaviors. Okay, ways of stealing energy, if you will. Um, some people call it the control drama, okay? But anyhow, there, the four control dramas are these. You've got the intimidator, you've got the interrogator, you've got the aloof, and you've got the poor me. Those are four very typical control dramas that exist in efforts to siphon our energy off of someone else, to siphon our energy, to refill our tank off of someone else's energy. So let me go through those one by one. Number one is the intimidator. So the intimidator is an individual who will steal energy by force. In order to get an energy boost, the intimidator may be very loud, may yell, or may use violence. Basically, the intimidator gets his or her energy by forcing people to pay attention to him or her. Okay? So, 
the intimidator will get another person's energy through a threatening means, verbally or physically, by oppressing, by imposing, and some people go as far as to actually beating other people up. And for most of these people, fear is very, very much a motivator in the intimidator's world. They are afraid and therefore they are lashing out. So the intimidator generates fear and then just has to collect the energy that leaks violently and completely from his counterpart. Okay, that is a way, and we know these people, and, and obviously there's a, there's a continuum, right? Some people are just violent, 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 where other people are just maybe pushing the edge of being a little too aggressive. Okay, the second of the control dramas energy stealers is known as the interrogator. So the interrogator gets other people's energy by questioning everything all the time. Okay, so um, it is said that children subconsciously use this technique, right? And adults use it out of excessive curiosity or jealousy. And a lot of times, not to learn, but to find flaws or to belittle or criticize. Okay, so again, the interrogator. The interrogator is like the intimidator, also a little bit on the aggressive side. However, the interrogator does not rely on overt force or intimidation, but rather just peppers, peppers, peppers with questions and judgment in conversations. So when you are around an interrogator, you will often feel very, very criticized. And the interrogator will question your decisions and your motives and your effectiveness. And this strategy in turn keeps you sucked into the interrogation, right? Paying attention to the interrogator. When you think of an energy exchange, it doesn't work if you don't participate. Two people, there has to be two cars for a siphon job to work. The car that's stealing the gas and the car that has the gas. So one thing to think about as, as I'm listing all of these different control dramas is at any time you can disengage by driving away. If there's no car to steal from, if there's no gas tank in the car to steal from because you've driven away, then the energy exchange has, that energy exchange has been halted. So again, be aware that there is a participation for two people to be involved for an exchange of energy to happen. Okay, so I just wanted to mention that, okay? Um, because energy exchanges happen because there is attention being given to it, okay? Attention is required for energy to exchange, okay? So we've gone now through the intimidator. We've gone through the interrogator. Now, number three is the aloofs, okay? Aloof people are not a hostile. They don't have an aggressive approach, um, their ability to siphon energy from others relies on being vague and distant in order to caption attention and energy, okay? An aloof is more likely to keep information from people. Um, this in turn causes other people to be very curious about them, very interested in them. Literally, what aloof people do is lure people in without even really, with no effort. Their aloofness literally draws the curious people in and then those curious people who are being drawn in are almost chasing the aloof person, okay? So 
the aloofs are, um, think of it, playing hard to get, that's aloof. An aloof will frequently leave you feeling that he or she is playing games with you and that you must be chased. Again, it takes two to, t- it takes two to tango. So if the aloof person is drawing you in by being coy, by drawing you in by holding information from you, what does that do? That makes you go, hey, what you got? Sniff, 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 smelling around, smelling around. And next thing you know, they're, the person who um, is being aloof is being followed, being chased. And now you have an exchange of energy. Um, and then you've got the last one. The last one of the four in this book, The Celestine Prophecy, is the poor me. So the poor me, like the aloof, relies on a passive approach to gaining energy or sympathy from others, but in a different way. So poor me people will capture our attention by making us feel guilty, responsible for them. They can often complain about their problems and issues, but, but not for the sake of getting solutions. It's literally for the sake of getting attention. That's all they're interested in. In fact, most of the poor me's or the victim mentality, it's not because they're not, they're not actually interested in learning. They're actually interested in just your sympathy. Um, so when dealing with a poor me, we, all, we often feel like those people need to be taken care of. We must help them in some way. We may feel we have to listen to his or her sob story over and over and over again. Okay, that's the poor me. The poor me gets others' energy by complaining, talking about horrible things that's happened in life, and makes you believe, and may make you believe, that it is partly your fault unless you help them. Okay? So these are the four very common controlled dramas that happen. So, again, if we're looking at an exchange of energy, it takes two sides to tango. And it requires attention. So we can either get sucked into this scenario or we can start to resolve it by going, oh, hold on, I think I see what's happening here. And either nip it in the bud or decide to disengage. Okay. So the first thing I always say, the first thing to know is, okay, well, if this is actually a thing, and the Celestine Prophecy books did an amazing job of really outlining this. So the idea isn't to hang out here in the control drama, you know, maybe just be aware of it long enough to know that there needs to be some changes. There needs to be things that need to be done. So this book, The Celestine Prophecy, also offers that you can, resolve, you can resolve these control dramas in a number of different ways. First and foremost, if you can learn to connect with source energy on your own, you don't have to steal it from others. Again, if you can learn how to connect with source energy on your own, on your own you don't need to steal it from others. Okay? We are going to go into a few ways of doing that. Um, But that's the first and foremost. If you don't want to steal the gas from your neighbor's car through a siphon, learn how to tap into the the oil pipeline and get it from the source. Okay? That's first and foremost. That's... So the first thing you need to do is be aware of where you might be having energy exchanges that are not healthy. And then once you're aware of it, then you can say, all right, I'm tired of stealing my energy. Um, I actually like to get it from the source because that would make everybody happier. 
that's a beautiful thing. It's a step in the right direction. So it helps to become aware of the control dramas. Be mindful of when you are relying on yours. For example, if you are an aloof, then you'll need to come to an understanding that when you are being closed off, it's an excellent opportunity to practice being more open and authentic with others. Okay? If you are in a scenario where someone is being aloof and you are doing the chasing, being aware that you are doing a cha- the chasing and saying, okay, this is just me simply following his lead and wanting what he is promising or liking the energy that he is exuding and therefore I'm feeling compelled to follow or chase in some (laughs) cases stalk right (laughs) there's something that is not healthy about that exchange of energy so I'm aware of that now it's time to make a change okay when you are dealing with someone who appears to be using control drama on you in a polite and respectful way you might be able to Call them out on it, especially if it's a spouse or someone very, very close to you. Okay, and of course, you do this politely and respectfully and in a loving way, right? You don't want to all of a sudden become the interrogator or the, um, or the very heated um, intimidator, right? You're just looking to say, all right, so um, by the way, hey, I wanted to let you know if you're... St- Speaking to someone who's being aloof and being closed off, if you were to say to them, hey, I just wanted to let you know, um, why are you being so distant? Um, uh, Is there something that I did? And if they're open to communicating, wonderful. Then the lines of communication are open. If you're finding that that person is just closed off and there's no getting through, then that's going to require some further exploration. It may not be somebody who is right for you at the time. Maybe it's a friend and it's just like, gosh, my friend's going through something very closed off, very distant, being very aloof. I find myself gravitating towards that energy because there's something about it that I'm drawn to and I realize that it's a very unhealthy exchange of energy. So I think I just need to step back, give this person some space to work through what they need to work through so that I'm not getting sucked into their drama or I'm not getting sucked into their situation, right? Again, it always takes two to tango. So awareness, as with everything, is, 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 is key because you don't know you're in a dangerous situation until you realize, oh my God, I'm in a dangerous situation, um, and I'm, I'm being a little bit um, melodramatic here because I'm wanting you to really, really open your eyes. So let's say now that you've identified a couple of scenarios in your life where you are either the aloof person or the one drawn and following and chasing the aloof person, or maybe the, you're, you're the interrogator and you're somebody who gets coaxed into interrogations or maybe you are the intimidator or somebody who's being kind of beaten down by the intimidator. Or maybe you're the poor me who is um, very much thinking about all of the woe is me, this is horrible and you need to hear it. Or you're the person who is being drawn in to fix the poor me, right? Whatever the situation is, if we can stop and say, look, it actually doesn't matter 
which one of these four categories I might fall into all the time or part of the time or with certain people. It kind of doesn't matter which one of those four categories it is because at the end of the day, it's all siphoning from someone else's tank. Okay? I mean, basically, that's it. If you say, look, it doesn't matter why I do it. I basically realize at the end of the day, I am either being stolen from or stealing. Wouldn't it just be easier to get my gas from the source? Wouldn't it just be easier to get my energy from source? And the answer is, oh, yes, please. <laughs> if everybody stops stealing from everyone else because we learned how to get it from source, oh, my God. The drama, the conflict in the world would be non-existent. There would be no need for it. There'd be no need for all of these categories to exist because we'd all be getting our energy straight from source. There would be no energy that we would need to steal. We wouldn't need to dominate. We wouldn't need to control. Um, we wouldn't need to, we wouldn't need the, you know, feel the need to be right, right? All of that, all of those things that we do, it's all for one purpose in mind, and that is survival. If energy is a key component to us being alive and animated or not, right? To be low energy or sick or eventually um, entropy will take us all the way to our death. No one's getting out of this alive, right? But while we're here on this planet and exchanging energy with one another, wouldn't it make sense for us to tap into the source so that we weren't taking from one another anymore? All of the control drama would cease to exist, okay? But then the big question is, how do I get this energy without stealing it from others? I had mentioned at the top of this podcast that meditation is a fabulous way of doing it. Um, a very simple way to do it is to breathe deeply, okay? Um, some people say you want to take a walk. Some people say when you feel yourself getting heated and you just feel yourself becoming that enraged intimidator, count to 10, go take a walk. Count to 10, go take a walk. Um, in a perfect world, go take a long walk. <laughs> go take a long walk. Nice deep breaths. Connect with nature. Some people will say getting back to the basics. Go into a forest. If you, can, if, if, you're, if you have proximity to a forest or gosh, I'll take a park. Anything where you can just kind of reconnect with nature. That's a beautiful thing to do. Um, another way that you can stop stealing it from others is going to be changing your perception. Changing your thoughts to be more um, positive, understanding, compassionate, loving. That's a big one across the board. And I have done many, many, many podcasts on the power, not only of positive thinking, but positive feelings. Learning to be compassionate with what is motivating somebody to behave maybe poorly. Um, emotional immune system is one of the podcasts that you might want to go check out. So increasing your, your positive thinkings and your positive feelings. Um, Exercise, that's great, right? Exercise, eating healthy, those are all things that you can do that will help you feel just naturally better. And because when you feel naturally better inside, 
you can spot an energy vampire and you're like, mm-mm, not going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to veer away from that person right now just easily. No, no, no problem. Um, the other thing that you're going to want to do is sort out your relationships. The more that you become aware of this, the more that you become aware of the role that you play in these dances, like I say, it takes two to tango, the more you can either say, I'm not going to be a willing participant in this dance anymore. If this dance requires me to either steal from this person or this dance requires me to give, 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 give to this person, I'm just not going to do that anymore. It's not healthy for them and it's not healthy for me. And if I really truly love this person, I don't want them to feel depleted after a dinner with me. I don't want them to feel exhausted after every phone conversation. And I don't want to feel exhausted, right? So sometimes it requires sorting out relationships and saying, you know what? This person, for whatever reason, is in this space and I'm going to let them be in this space and I'm going to let them do whatever they need to do because it's their life and they can make their own choices and they have the right to do what they want to do. I just maybe am not going to participate on such an extreme level anymore. I'm going to pull back. There are times when I feel it doesn't happen very often. It used to happen a lot. It doesn't happen very often to me now where I'm just like, I kind of can't see anybody right now because I'm no good for anyone. Um, I just need a day to be by myself to recharge to regroup, to nap, to sleep, to eat right, to meditate for sure, to get back on my horse, to get my groove. Because when I feel really, really, really good, which I've gotten to a point where it is darn near most of the time, then I have an abundance of energy that I can share. And I'm like, hey guys, I've got more than I know what to do with. Let me share my abundance with you. Um, there's a blog that I wrote not too long ago called give, uh, give your fruit, not your soil. If you steal someone's soil, if you steal someone's, um, necessities that that's that very essential energy, um, you're going to stunt the growth of the tree. Literally, if you, if you steal soil from the root system of a tree, the the root system is exposed. Next thing you know, the tree is not healthy and an unhealthy tree does not bear a ton of fruit. But if you take care of yourself, keep the soil packed tight around the roots. Do yourself a favor and take care of yourself through good exercise, good food, good thoughts, great feelings, good vibrations, good conversation. You have such a beautiful tree and there's so much darn fruit. You can't eat it all. That's the abundance. That's the stuff you share. That's when you take a bag of apples to your neighbor and say, my apple tree is making so many apples, there's no way that I'm going to eat all of these apples. And then all of a sudden, instead of stealing energy from someone else, you've got extra to share, right? So um, it's really interesting. Um, we think of things in terms a lot of abundance and scarcity. And most people are living in a very scarce mindset. There's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough money. There's not enough men. <laughs> I hear women say, all the good ones are taken. I'm like, that's the most ridiculous sentence I've ever heard. All the good ones are taken. There's plenty. There's plenty of men. There's plenty of women. There's plenty of money. There's plenty of opportunity. 
There's plenty of everything that you could possibly imagine. We live in an abundant universe and it exists somewhere in the world. So why can't you just line up with it and enjoy it? Okay. So if you find yourself kind of living in the scarcity mindset, there's not enough money and there's not enough men and there's not enough opportunities. And while I'm not as lucky as her and I'm not as fortunate as him, they're just the luckiest people I know. They just walk out of their house and money is falling out of the sky to those people. That's just so unfair. If you are one of those people that is always looking at the scarcity of things, chances are you're probably in a control drama. Chances are you are probably feeling that not only is money scarce, not only are opportunities scarce, not only are men and women scarce, but energy is scarce. And when you feel a scarce mentality, you are more likely to steal. You are more likely to take from someone else. If you are in an abundant mindset, there's more than anybody. I have more apples than I know what to do with and more are growing every day. And I've got so much that I, I can't find enough homes for these apples. That is an abundance mindset. If you tend to be somebody who lives in an abundant mindset, you're probably not stealing. You're probably sharing. Because intrinsically, it is in your nature to know if there's an abundance of apples, if there's an abundance of gas, if there's an abundance of men and women, if there's an abundance of money, then you also realize that there's probably something deep, deep down inside of you that also realizes there's an abundance of energy. And I've learned through practice and trial and error and dramas of my own and aha moments and awakenings that I want to tap into the abundant side of things. Because when I'm in the abundant side of things, I have no need to steal. I've learned how to tap in to a bigger source to line up with it all. So what I have noticed is there seems to be a correlation between a scarcity mindset and control dramas. People who think there's not enough. How can you think there's not enough of everything in the world and not have that include energy? Where the abundant people know that there's plenty of everything, including source energy. So... If you know someone who is living in the scarcity mindset, look and see, are they, are, do they tend to have one of these four characteristics? Are they poor me's? Are they aloof? Are they interrogators or are they intimidators or combinations in, you know, thereof? Um, or do you have a reality check and say, am I in the scarcity mindset? And if so, am I in any of these control dramas as the lead? Right? Am I following in any of these control dramas or am I leading in any of these control dramas? And if the answer is yes, the beauty of it is, is that you can make a change. Once we are all aware that it's, these control dramas are nothing more than an attempt to steal energy because you're in a scarcity mindset, then you just say, well, I'm tired of playing this role. I'm tired of dancing this dance and I'm tired of always ending up in the same situation with different people and just being dissatisfied 
when you realize at the end of the day that all it is is you trying to accumulate energy from someone else because you are lacking energy, the, the fix is simple. You have got to learn how to tap into source energy so that you don't need it from someone else. And when you do that, everything is going to shift. So as infinite beings of energy that are never really born and never really die because energy is never really created and it's never really destroyed. Um, but as we're here on this planet having this human experience, there's energy shifts and exchanges happening all day, every day. Ask yourself this basic question. Is it working for me? Are the exchanges of energy that I get or that I'm having um, sharing and loving because there's an abundance of it or is it stealing because there's not enough? And if it's not working for you anymore, start making a shift. Start making a shift. That would be my recommendation. Um, breathe deeply. Change your settings when you feel one of these control dramas coming on. Be aware of it. Meditation is huge. Reiki work is wonderful, by the way. Wonderful, wonderful, because Reiki energy, and I'm going to do a whole podcast on Reiki, but for this, just know that Reiki is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful exchange of energy where the person who is giving Reiki is literally uh, using the energy if you, of the universe, kind of gathering it and sprinkle literally I know this sounds like ridiculous but I can't think of it in any other way sprinkling you with fairy dust right if you're the if you're a big rose and your rose is dying because you're parched and dehydrated and nobody has watered you in a while um, Reiki energy is just like this amazing way of of bringing universal energy to you and allowing you to be drenched with water um to let the universal energy flow through you because when you do that, you are moving You are moving from a scarcity of energy to an abundance of energy. So like I said, I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole of the Reiki energy because that's a whole topic in and of itself. Um, but for many of you, you are already aware that Reiki energy is a thing and I've got people who come to me for their little monthly tune-ups and they just leave God going, oh my God, I just feel like I'm back to myself again. Thank you. So um, meditation is a wonderful way of doing it. And uh, awareness is half the battle on this one, guys. So my hope, my wish, my intention with this whole podcast is to make everyone aware that we all have access to source. We all have access, just like Tesla was able to find a way of powering a whole entire area with nothing more than the available energy that exists and lives all around us in this place that we call the empty space which is actually not empty at all this biosphere of energy that lives all around us this energy when we look at somebody in the you know somebody's six feet away from us and we think that there's just empty space in between us no that's not true um uh martial artists know this um energy workers know this tesla knew this that this thing that we think of as empty space is not empty at all there's an energy there and when we learn to tap into the energy of that quote-unquote empty space um we can shift everything in ways that are beyond imaginable 
Okay, so some of you are going to hear this and totally connect with it. Others of you are going to listen to this and go, uh, there's parts that were useful, but this whole idea of tapping into source, I don't even know what that means. And <laughs> what I would say to those people is, you will when you experience it. <laughs> All it takes is somebody to tell you who used to think meditation was hard, who started doing it and explained to you how that has transformed everything for them or gotten a really great energy session. Until you experience it yourself, you kind of don't know what you don't know. Um, but that's okay. When the time is right, if the time is right, you will all of a sudden have your experience. And I wish that for you. I actually wish that for everybody. Um, but in this moment, you may not be hearing it now and just say, I don't know about this whole crazy lady thing. And that's okay too. I'm cool with it. But my hope is that this podcast will find the right people and that those people will make some very necessary shifts in their awareness around energy so that they and their lived ones can live a better life. So I would like to thank everybody for tuning into this podcast and uh, being a part of this energy exchange. And I look forward to future exchanges of energy via podcast with all of you in the future. But for now, have a great rest of your day. Take care.